Hi, this is Jill Jarris. From September 2017 through April 2020, this podcast was known as Olympic Fever. We've since changed its name to keep the flame alive, but we're committed to keeping our back catalog available to you. So please keep the name change and this disclaimer in mind as you listen to it. Olympic is a trademark of the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee, or USOPC. Any use of Olympic in the Olympic Fever podcast is strictly for informational and commentary purposes. The Olympic Fever podcast is not an official podcast of the USOPC. The Olympic Fever podcast is not a sponsor of the USOPC, nor is Olympic Fever associated with or endorsed by the USOPC in any way. The content of Olympic Fever podcast does not reflect the opinions, standards, views, or policies of the USOPC, and the USOPC in no way warrants that content featured in Olympic Fever is accurate. Thanks for listening, and now on to the show. I'm Josh Williamson, and I have Olympic Fever. Mesdames et messieurs, the greatest festival of our contemporary society, the Olympic Games, is about to begin. This is going to be close. Oh! You can do it! You can do it! Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant! But that is an Olympic championship. Ready? Hello and welcome to another episode of Olympic Fever, the podcast for fans of the Olympic Games. I am your host, Jill Jarris, and I'm joined as always by the lovely Allison Brown. Hello, Allison. Hello, Jill. How are you doing today? I have Olympic Fever. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> what a coincidence. <laughs> so today we are continuing on with some of the stories we worked on during our trip to Lake Placid. And that starts today with our interview with one of the winners of the reality show, Scouting Camp, Next Olympic Hopeful. Uh, this is Josh Williamson. He won the men's bobsled competition. And uh, let's talk a little bit about what this TV show was, Allison. Yes, so it aired over the summer and they had... Uh, Tra not trainers, coaches, uh, searching for people in these less participated in sports in the United States. So it was rugby, men's, all are men's and women's, rugby, bobsled, track cycling, and skeleton. So there was a male and female winner for each category. Right. And it's kind of the, these sports were also not just lesser known, but they lend themselves well to what they call transition athletes. So if you are good in, say, football or track, you might be a good rugby player or good at bobsled. So they're really looking for athletes from other sports who could fill out these smaller Olympic sports teams. Right. Yeah, they, you aren't seeing too many 12-year-olds running skeleton or, or bobsled. No, not too, not too many. <laughs> not too many, or maybe there are. Um, the track cycling surprised me that it was on there. Right, um, how I, so? Because you just because cycling is, I mean, everyone rides a bicycle, so I guess I assumed cycling, but is track cycling Track so cycling is different because you have a completely different bike with no brakes, so that uh, takes something to get used to. And then you're in this velodrome, so 
you really have a, a different set of skills. And I think if if you look at the track cyclists, they're the ones that have those massive thighs. Not necessarily somebody who does road cycling. They'll have good thighs okay. too, but the track cyclists will get these massive thighs because it's so all it the, leg power. Is it the difference kind of between short track and long track speed skating? Kind of, I it think. Not, I mean, not, not, really. not too okay. much because okay. I think the equipment's a little different. And I don't think mm-hmm. short track, long track speed skates are different. It's just the the being able to go on a longer track versus going round and round in circles pretty quickly. Okay. You know, that's... But we're going to talk about the bobsled competition. <laughs> right. And we're wasting all this time on track <laughs> cycling <laughs> when we didn't even talk to those people. <laughs> well, anyhow... <laughs> So anyway, we sat down and talked with Josh Williamson. He was gracious enough to give us some time. And we learned all about his journey and how he got to be where in the competition and then what happened during the competition and what's happening with him now. Because as if you watch the show, which you can watch through NBCSN, I believe it's still online because that's how I watched yes. it. Yes, that's um, how I watched it too. And... They say on the show that he has potential to be at Pyeongchang. So that's one of the things we talked about with him. So take a listen and enjoy our chat with Josh. Before we get started, a little background on Josh. He's from Lake Mary, Florida, which is just outside of Orlando. And as you might guess, he sees very little snow on a regular basis. He just turned 21 and is a student at Florida State. We've condensed this interview for time, and as Allison was traveling from a little further away, she comes in partway through. You'll notice it. It's been a whirlwind of a year for you. The 24-hour fitness competition was what, like end of June, right? Yes, yeah, end of June. And then, so what happened there? So I found out that there was a tryout at, they held them on 24-hour fitnesses around the nation, and one of them was in Winter Park, which is about 20 minutes from me. So I thought I might as well just go try out. I like combines. I thought I might as well just go do it. And worst case scenario, I don't do well, but it's free and it's fun and I get to go compete against other people. And from there, I just went to the combine. I was waiting on an email for the next week or two to see if I made it or not. Let's talk about what a combine is first off and then why you like them. So a combine, specifically for bobsled, I guess, a combine, they test you in just kind of what I would say general athleticism things that there's not a lot of technique like in maybe a sport like bobsled where there's a lot of technique in the pushing the the combine takes the technique out of it kind of levels the playing field where they do things like running and jumping and strength just movements it measures your athleticism without having you you don't have to know too much about the events to do well at them if you're just a natural athlete you can do pretty well at them do you know anything about how that compares to like a football combine Right, that's so the most well-known combine, right. I would say. And it's similar in that how they do like a 40-yard dash. We mm-hmm. have a 15, 30, and a 45-meter okay. sprint, which you do it all at once, but there's just different timing eyes at those distances. Oh, yeah, so, so you run on the one show. sprint, okay. yeah, and it'll time. It'll give you times between those laser eyes and for each distance how fast you went. So it gives them a lot of information off of one sprint. Okay. So there's a lot of similarities in the sprinting. And at the combine in the NFL, they do a vertical jump. But at bobsled, instead, they do a broad jump, which is jumping as far out forward as you can get. And so there's a lot of similarities in that. There is just different 
kinds of tests, okay. but it's all based on the same principles, I guess, of speed, explosiveness, and strength. Did you know that you were going for bobsled alone, or did you know did, were any of the four sports they were testing of interest to you? I had been planning on doing bobsled. Actually, okay. prior to the combine, okay. I had been training for bobsled for a bobsled combine that the USAPS oh, yeah. holds. Okay. They have one in August in Park City, Utah, which was the very last one. I wanted mm-hmm. to give myself the most time to prepare for it. Okay. So that also made it easier because I said, you know what, if I don't do well at this combine, at 24-hour fitness, worst case scenario, I still have my plane tickets and all my information for the combine in August. This is just, it'd be fun if I made it, but if not, no pressure. So it made it a lot easier to go compete without having that, this is it, you know, pressure on me. Right. So this is a good kind of segue into what is your athletic background because i i kind of want to stress the point even though like the next olympic hopeful is kind was kind of a reality ish right. show you know it's not like you got off the couch in january and said right. oh hey i'm going to be an olympian <laughs> now <laughs> you have years and years of athletic experience right, right. yes mm-hmm. i had played lacrosse actually since my since sixth grade I at first hated it, but my parents made me play it and ended up giving up football, which I loved for lacrosse in high school. only played lacrosse and then ended up getting an athletic scholarship to go to Mercer University, which is a small school in Georgia, one of the few Division I schools in the South, which was a big goal of mine, playing okay. Division I lacrosse. But it, my freshman year, I had two injuries that pretty much put me out for the whole season. And sitting the whole season, especially at that level, gets kind of boring, and I was just getting kind of tired of it. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to go back in-state, go to Florida State, where I have some friends who go there. It would be cheaper with in-state tuition, even with athletic scholarship. I a private school out of state was very expensive. Mm-hmm. I thought I'd just make my money's worth and go back in-state and just be a student. I could still work out and train, which I love doing, but just kind of call it on the sports career. I realized mm-hmm. with lacrosse, there's not really an end game. There's a professional right, league, but, but it's, you don't make a lot of money. And I knew I'd be done in four years or I'd be done now. So I thought, okay. you know what, let me go back and just kind of just be a student and get back in state close to family. And it took me about a semester, I think, to realize that I'd put so much time into training. I'd put so many years into the weight room and training that I thought it'd be a waste if I just kind of called it on everything. You know, if I just decided to just not compete in anything, whether it be recreational or not, if I just didn't compete in any sport, I thought it'd be a little bit of a waste. I didn't, I just couldn't live with not having a reason to go train and practice. You know, I was so used to that for so many years, having a practice to go to or a lift I had to go do that it was getting hard to not have that motivation, you know. So when you're looking for a reason to work out and train and stay in top shape, what, what kinds of things did you look at? I always liked weightlifting a lot and the big part of why I kind of also stopped playing lacrosse was because I guess nobody likes distance running but I really didn't like distance running and I knew I wasn't good at it and I knew I was good at sprinting but I was too big to be a track sprinter I always liked track but I just was too big to be a sprinter be good at it too too big like too like wide is not the really really word I just heavy you know I, I put so much time into building oh, muscles building in the muscle. weight room. Okay. You see a lot of track guys who are very big and muscular, but I was 200 plus. I got to the point that I was oh, almost wow. carrying too much weight to be a sprinter. As okay. There's just some guys who are much lighter than me who could move better. And I knew that I was fast, but I wasn't the fastest person. I wasn't okay. going to be able to compete in like a 100 meter sprint or something. Okay. So I decided, you know what, let me find a sport that I like everything I train. I liked sprinting. And I liked heavy lifting for low reps instead of the high endurance, like a distance runner or something. So I thought, 
we find it, it was kind of fun. I was shopping for a sport that I was good at and that I liked training for because I knew with lacrosse I got tired at one point of just doing the distance running the training I didn't like and that's why I think I got burned out on it. There's things, there's certain parts of it that weren't my favorite, which you don't mm -hmm. like everything, but I thought if I could pick a sport now that I liked everything about, let me do that. And I ended up finding out that bobsled, I would be a good fit for it with my size and speed because they're looking for someone who's big but who's also fast and that was a big criteria of mine. I don't want to have to lose weight to compete in the sport. I thought let me find something that they want you to be as big and fast as possible where there's a fine line of doing both you find bobsled, you decide I'm training for the combine in Park City, and then the 24-hour fitness thing comes up, you do it, uh, a couple weeks later you get the email saying you're in. Awesome, right? Right. So then what happens, and what what kind of time, because then you're going out to the Colorado Springs. Right, right. Okay. right. So it was a very quick turnaround. I got the email probably two weeks after my 24-hour fitness tryout, and then after that, it was I think within the next two weeks again within after one week I was flying out the following weekend to Colorado Springs to compete for a week and going into that I I was excited about going but getting to that level I was again very skeptical I guess on how well I was going to do because I didn't know who I'd be competing against because not only from the 24-hour fitness tryouts did they pull people they pulled people from a lot of Division One athletic programs, whether it be track or football, they specifically recruited some people on top of adding in tryout athletes. So that I knew that I didn't come from the best circumstance they probably are going to pull from. There are mm -hmm. probably going to be some really good athletes there. So I knew that I was going to have fun going to that, and I still, in the back of my mind, knew that no matter how that went, I'd have that combine in August to go to. I still have my okay. plane tickets. I still signed up, and that was still my goal. But this would be fun to go and maybe get on TV and – get to go to an Olympic training center and meet some of the coaches for Bob, mm -hmm. so I'd get in front of some of them, mm -hmm. whether I do well or not, just have them know my name going into the combine in August was right. my big goal. Okay. Kind of meet them, you know? Makes <laughs> that makes sense. So how was the week? It was, I know it looked really, it looked intense, but we only, it was like an hour and 40 minutes. Right. So you, you don't really get the sense of what all they're doing. Right. It was, or, how long was your day? It was probably, we lunch was always about, seven or eight in the morning which i like getting up early so that wasn't really too bad some people i could tell that was tough <laughs> but <laughs> and then i mean you'd be back to your dorm at the latest by nine which is i would just get back and go to bed because i if i don't get eight hours of sleep at night i don't function okay. you know I, I try to get eight to ten hours of sleep a night so if i don't get at least eight i'm hurting pretty bad the next day okay so but other than that it was just busy there's always something to do between eating or interviews or just training or if in, if we had an event at three o'clock i'd want to get in at one to start warming up because okay. then you're they'd schedule your warm-up time 30 minutes beforehand but that was filmed so i mean there's also some of okay. while you're trying to warm up there's some of them interviewing you pulling you to do this or that mm -hmm. which you wouldn't get a full warm-up so i had to get in way early which most people did okay so there's it was constantly either warming up competing mm -hmm eating or interviewing you know there's never really a just nothing to do moment <laughs> how was the training and things that you got at the camp compared to what you were doing on your own it was a lot of fun because i realized that it's it was the combine that we would have done i would have done in august mm -hmm. but it was spread out over a week's time which was great because they put maybe an event or two per day instead of at that combine you would do everything in a day so it almost helped in that I had time to recover and perform better at each event instead of slamming it all into a day and maybe doing the sprinting first and being tired, not doing as well on a broad jump or one of the okay. lifts. 
So that helped a lot, and that was cool because I also knew what I was getting into then. I knew exactly what to kind of anticipate as opposed mm-hmm. to some people went in after they were in their off season or they just finished track and they were just shot from a whole season. So I was okay. at the point of I had been training specifically for that combine oh, and so those yeah. events. So I had a leg up in that and okay. on top of people who just were getting into it from other sports. who are still great athletes. You did mm-hmm. awesome. They did amazing at these events. But I just already knew what I was getting into after the first day of seeing us do the sprinting. I'm mm-hmm. like, this is exactly what we would have done at the combine. And I knew from then on the rest of the week we're probably going to do the combine events, which I okay. had memorized and practiced okay. for months before that. What kind of coaching interaction did you have during the week? I got to work with John Daly, who is obviously skeleton, guy. skeleton amazing. Cause I, it's funny, when I was in the airport waiting to fly out, I found out my name came out on the list for skeleton. And I've oh, really? For bobsled for so long that I originally had a little bit of a shell shock, and I was like, oh, man, I was a little worried. Because, one, I didn't think I would even be able to do skeleton. I, was, I thought I was too big for it. Okay. I thought, one, I was too big for the sled, and I weighed too much. But I said, you know what? I came to the realization after a little mini freak out that mm-hmm. I'm going to – whatever these coaches at this event think I'm going to be good at, mm-hmm. if they, if any of the coaches think I have potential in any sport to go to an Olympic level at a sport, I'd be willing to do it. <laughs> I was very set on bobsled for a while, but mm-hmm. whatever I could do to get to the Olympics, I'd be happy. <laughs> yeah, so then at the at, when the week is done, you find out that you've been chosen. Right. Then what happens? Then, originally I was – I had known I'd done well throughout the competition, but I never knew if I just didn't have the right fit for something, or I, mm-hmm. obviously I didn't know if I would win or not. But after I won, I was obviously very excited, and within five minutes we were off getting drug tested immediately to make sure that none of us just cheated the show, which mm-hmm. I'm glad we did, because I mean, there's a lot of great athletes there, but that's obviously a big worry for a, in any sport now. Have you been drug tested before? Did you have to get drug tested during lacrosse? During lacrosse, I had okay. done NCAA tests okay. and from the university, but that was my first USADA test. So, okay, so you get drug tested right away. Then what? Then I found out, I actually didn't know this until the ceremony that we were sitting down before I was announced. They talk about how by winning, you get funding from the organization to go to a lot of what would normally be self-funded events. Oh, really? A lot of stuff you would have to get to. If you're not one of the high-level national team athletes, you don't get the funding. You have to get your way there to compete so I didn't realize that that was a big part of winning was I would get the funding a lot of athletes got invited to some camps through bobsled mm-hmm. who because they didn't want to pass up on good athletes just because they didn't they weren't right. the one winner but they have to get there and okay. that was a big thing for me was now everything for this time right now is funded for me which is awesome because that saves me like thousands and yeah, thousands, thousands of dollars. Of I mean, this is a and, very expensive hobby. Right. In a sense. tickets and getting everywhere. So that was unbelievable. And I had no idea about that until they said it, filming it live. They were explaining it to everybody. And I was like, wow, I had no idea. And that was the big, so that was cool. And I immediately found out about that. So that was even more exciting than winning, knowing that I could get to go to this stuff and also not have to pay to get there. Right. So where all have you been? We are at, Hi, at I'm Allison. Allison. Nice to meet <laughs> you. Congratulations. <laughs> So you've been to so, Calgary, Calgary Push? Yes, yes, okay. I got to go to that. And that was cool, too, because on my way home from Colorado Springs, I had gotten a call from Coach Scheimer, and I talked to them about now they'd like me to go to the Push Championships in Calgary, which was the next week. I didn't even have a passport. I'd never been out of country. <laughs> so I was big news to me, and I said, I'd like to do it. If I can make it happen, I want to get up there. Because they thought that 
I wasn't, I'm not at the top of the team athletically, but they said that I was competitive enough athletically already in like tests like the squat or the sprinting, things that just the natural athleticism, I was already in contention enough. I was close enough to the team's numbers that they thought, let's just get me up there and teach me to push really quick and see if I just pick it up naturally. You know, mm -hmm. I, I never know if I'm going to be good at it naturally unless you do it. So that was a bit of a shock, but it was cool to immediately tell my parents, hey, I got to go to Canada. <laughs> and you were in the mix. Yes. And then I was yeah, able I to just lost. compete with everything. People that I've been following and were pretty much my idols, you know, my heroes. Like, I'm, these are the people that I want to be like when I'm older in the sport. And now I'm up there trying to compete against them. You know, it's just surreal more than anything. So what is Calgary Push like? I've only just gotten I to watched it. Did you watch it? I did watch it. Oh. It was really fun to watch. Yeah, so what do you do? So it's they have the Ice House in Calgary, which is pretty much a, I think, I don't know the exact dimensions, but I'd say like a 100-meter stretch of ice. And it goes, it simulates the start of the track where it dips off a little bit, and then it kind of levels back up. So instead of practicing the push start where you have to ride the whole track down and the whole process of going back up to the top and starting again and that whole long thing. It lets you practice a start where you push it, kind of like the track we have here. You mm -hmm. push it and then it comes up and it'll slide back down so you can practice again okay. and again and again. And that's where they set up the timing eyes. So they have at certain distances to time your single man push starts from a different position on the sled. So we push it by ourselves and then they add combinations where they put you with another athlete on different positions and see how you worked well together, see who pushed well together. And then it's part of the selection process, mm -hmm. but it was the very first part of the selection process this year. It was the first testing they had done. So they wanted me to at least go do that to be eligible, to be a part of everything. I, I couldn't just skip that and come up here and try to step in and be around everything. I needed to at least get my foot in the door, whether I did well or not. I, they, they were happy I didn't lose, and I was too. I had three days' experience, and I at least didn't come in last place. So, I mean, that was the big but win for me. Your time was right in line with everybody else's. It wasn't, it was not an embarrassment. You should be proud of it. Right, that was the exciting part for me, was I got three days' experience uh, against people who maybe, at, at the least, maybe had a year or two years' experience. And most people were older than me. I'm sure there was maybe one or two people there who were younger. Hunter Church is a pilot who's 20, I know. And other than that, I was one of the younger guys there with the, obviously the least experience. So the fact that I didn't lose was a win for me. You know, I was happy Absolutely. with that. <laughs> so you've been in the sled now, because at that point you hadn't been in the sled, right? I've been in the, the pushing, like the mock sled. I haven't been in a real sled. Oh, you yet. haven't? I haven't okay. been in a real sled nope, yet. Okay, and haven't done the whole ride yet. No, I've not. Wow. Have you jumped in? Like, try to be number two or number three and, you know, jumped in from the side. I've done, when we were at Calgary, I practiced loading from the side, and here I'll practice loading, but I haven't okay. with more than another person. I haven't done okay. a full load, or I don't know okay. the technique to that. I oh, okay. think when I first start, they're gonna have me at like a two-man where I just hop in the back. Okay. It's not as much a right. process of getting in. What amazes me is how big all these guys are. I mean, I won't fit. And, and you all <laughs> fit. And not only do you all fit, but you all get in. It's so beautiful to watch. So much, it's yeah. such choreography and it's so amazing. It's so much practice. I mean, I'm glad you're yeah. sitting down because I'm over a foot shorter than you. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of, but you know, you're all big, big guys and the girls too. It's like, oh my God. And they all perfectly perfect. Yeah. It's amazing to me. And from what I've seen, it's everything with this sport is just so many repetitions. And that's where I just, that's my biggest weakness right now is I maybe have 
40 to 50 pushes at the most combined with Calgary and like Placid right now from the push track as opposed to everybody who has at least two years experience which is hundreds on hundreds because that's what it takes with the practicing getting in and not running into each other and it's it's for me very mental about getting comfortable with it you know comfortable at the start when you kind of fall into the sled before you hit it you have to be comfortable doing that knowing you're not going to fall it's just getting over little mental things that you naturally have that kind of would hurt me in the sport you know like maybe pushing from the side when I loaded from the side in Calgary it's so different to me because you're running downhill on ice trying to run full speed and push on the sled while also knowing that you have to hit the little foot-sized rubber pad with your outside foot and then hop in and I'm thinking about that instead of thinking about pushing so you have to it just has to come naturally it has to be second nature and I just don't have that reps to make it that you don't have the muscle memory yet exactly the more I do it the more it will just be second nature I'm here just to kind of be around team trials which is really cool just being around Olympic trials and watching all these guys compete in their most competitive year and also I don't have the pressure of competition I don't have to the pressure of I have to compete and I have to do well and this is my only chance this is I'm here to train and learn and watch the process and be around putting sleds together and the things the little things that I wouldn't know how to do unless I was up here learning from experts watching professionals do their job every day you know I get to be up here and observe and just take it all in, just take it all in. I just get to kind of be there and I go out to the push track and watch everybody mm-hmm. do all their stuff and then I'll do it later on my own, but I just get to watch them. And that was the biggest thing in Calgary that helped me the most was watching others do it. It's hard for me to feel out and feel good. Like if I do a push and I just, oh, that felt good or didn't, I don't know what a good one feels like or looks like, but watching other people do it helps me so much. I learn more from seeing a professional do it a hundred times perfectly than me try to see if it feels right, because I've never done it right, so I don't know what a good one's gonna feel like. Are you gonna try and go back to school in between? I am. In spring, I'm going back full time. Okay. But it's gonna be all online just so I can still travel. But this fall, I had to take this semester off just because I would be here for five weeks, and out of a 10, 11 week semester, it would have been too much being gone. Yeah, that's what always interests me about this kind of life is you're here for a certain amount of time. But then what happens the rest of the time? Right. You know, how do right. you, you because, still, because it's not yeah. 12 months out of the year. Right. right. So it's that back and forth. It's and and it's little... the, for the most part, self-funding. Right. Can, I, can we ask, do you know how much this package is worth? I don't you know. know. I they, think... they just say, come and send you a ticket? Right. <laughs> did you watch the show? I did. I watched it with my whole family. At, we had a little bit of a viewing party at one of our local little restaurants who they turned up the volume for us because it wasn't like a sporting mm-hmm. event. You had to listen to it. So we had it all piled into a little room in the back where they could close it and turn the volume up really loud. And it was really cool because I was around all my family and friends, but the friends I'd grown up with, the parents who used to babysit me and watch me, you know, all the people who kind of affected me, all my old coaches and my trainers, they all came to watch. So it was cool being around everybody and watching that for the first time myself, on top of that, I got to hear things like when the coaches were talking in the show, I had no idea. I was like, yeah. Oh, I had yeah. never <laughs> seen that before. You know, that was the parts that I didn't know what they would show, but I didn't even know they would meet after the day. So that was cool hearing them talk about me was interesting, you know. They were fighting cool. over you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, when you hear, like, oh, you potentially have the talent to make it this year, do you think, what did you think hearing that? That kind of, took me back a bit because I kind of knew I didn't okay but they the way they said it I this it was really cool to hear them say it but it, you, you gotta stay grounded in that okay 
you know, it's stretch. But it was, it's just cool hearing, again, someone at that level talk well about me was awesome. That was the best part of the show for me, stuff that I had no idea what they were. I knew what I looked like when I would sprint or squat. I knew what I did in those tests, but I had no idea that the coaches would meet and talk about it. So that was probably the most fun part was listening to that. Did you feel like what the show showed was how it happened? Did you feel like it was representative? I think it was. I think obviously they had time constraints and I wish they could have showed more, but there was, again, there was 91 athletes there and everyone had a story and everyone had competitions, so they didn't get to show everything of everyone, but it was still cool just to be a part of that, especially the very first one, just to see how it was received and see how they did it and now they got some critique and they have some advice now they're going to go next year they're already have the signups open for next year and just to be a part of something new like that that was such a in my eyes was a success and was fun to be a part of I think it's cool just to even that was my first time ever being close to being on TV so I mean that was <laughs> awesome to begin with just having cameras everywhere and learning how to talk to a camera was an experience in itself <laughs> and you've learned to do the whole media rounds yes and then with the interviews it's just very surreal because you know it's one of those things where night and day with after the showers it's just night and day and the people people congratulating me and it was it was fun have you gotten recognized yet no not at all no good (laughs) do you do you stay in touch with anybody from the show i do i do a lot i made a lot of really good friends on the show which is fun there's one of the guys my roommate daniel weldon who's a linebacker for university of florida which is really cool getting to know him because i go to florida state so on top of a little bit of a friendly rivalry he's actually at the game so after they had their big win over kentucky i was texting them telling them congratulations he was telling me all about it another friend of mine brian riley who was on the show who was supposed to come to rookie camp but didn't get to because he recently uh, in the season signed with the Colts as a oh, nice. he wow, signed I, he wasn't somebody who threw the draft he was one of the free agents who went okay. and had the preseason have to play a lot and finally got to sign at the end so it was cool again then getting to reach out to him and now knowing him and just a lot of different people getting to know all of them through that show it was cool other athletes who have the same goal and are in the same position where we, we're, you're not at the Olympic Training Center yet, you're trying to get there, and being around those kind of athletes was fun because that was exactly we're all in the same boat. You know, we were all doing the same thing, training for the same goal. You know, and it opened up a lot of these sports for a lot of those athletes. They didn't know they'd be good at any of these, and now after college, Daniel Weldon said, "Now after college, I kind of want to train for bobsled when I'm done with football." Right. So it just it kind of turned into something that a lot of people didn't even know they had options, and now people know this is a possibility to come at least try for some of these not as well known sports that have crossover athletes. So living here. How is it? Is it better than school? Where's it's the- a dream come true because it's just like, I obviously every athlete's dream is to be an athlete by trade, that your job is to train and compete. And when I'm not training, competing, I'm eating or sleeping or, and that's just, and it's kind of the, that's what's best for me. You know, it's not, I'm not, when I'm not training, if I go and lay down, it's not because I'm being lazy. It's because I needed to stay off my feet and let myself recover. But it's awesome because I love lifting and training. So I get to do that for however long I want. I have nothing else to do today but train, so I might as well just go train as long as I can for as hard as I can. And then I get to eat some great food, which I love eating, obviously. Most guys on the team do because you want to be big and strong, so I love that, and they have great food here, so I get to do that. And Just being up here around all these athletes who are just such amazing athletes and just knowing that if I can just keep doing this, maybe in a couple years I can eventually be like them is kind of the biggest goal. That's the coolest part about being here is knowing that now I have, instead of doing this all at home and trying to really focus on building this all up at home and trying to get there, now I can get up here and spend a month of just nothing but 
getting better. You know, I can go into here and just train and recover and sleep. I have no other obligations, so I can make way better leaps and bounds. I can be on a push track. I never would be able to practice pushing if I'm not here. So just stuff that can't, they give me an advantage that I can't really explain. It's just like a unbelievable advantage compared to me being stuck at home and then being around all these athletes and asking them about their experiences and getting advice from them and getting to meet them and just getting to know them is like these are all the people that have been like set my idols and my heroes what I want to be like when I'm older you know the people that I want to be like when I'm a better athlete and now I just get to see what they do every day and how they got there you know and that kind of gives me a great example and a great mold to fill of how I can get there what worked for them and what didn't and getting advice from people who've been doing this for years you know just just like I can't put into words the amount of help that it has it's given me kind of get about whatever you know it's just kind of cool so they really feed you chobani in the cafeteria they have to make fridge full of chobani and it is my favorite it's my favorite so beijing is the goal it would be cool beijing i think is obviously extremely more realistic than what some of the news articles have been saying about the next level because that's not i'm here to watch and learn and be around these athletes and this being around an olympic team trials is like Unbelievable. And well, that was Josh, and it was super exciting to talk with him, Allison. And he was just so wonderful and positive to talk to. And what really got me was just how realistic he was about where he's at in the sport. And it's, yes. I, I think, the interesting thing about the the reality TV show aspect of it makes it feel like you can get up off your couch and go be an Olympic hopeful and maybe you'll get in the games in six months, but that's not really the case. No. And he certainly didn't think that Um, he was just adorable. I just, I loved him and I'm totally rooting for him. Um, But yeah, he was very realistic about what his prospects were and what his future was. I mean, when we talked to him, he hadn't been in the sled yet. I know. And that's just so amazing. And he, I don't know if he's been in the sled yet, but we're supposed to get some tape of his reaction to his first ride once he's done. And that will be interesting. I'm looking forward to that because he was so good at expressing everything that was, that was going on and his just sheer joy of being there was a lot of fun to be around. Right. And yeah, he's very, not just his hope, but in a sense that's inspiring and it shows how, much work and effort athletes put into their craft and becoming good and it's amazing at how long it takes to get to the pinnacle of a sport no matter what you're doing and it's just really interesting to see somebody who's at the beginning of his journey and it'd be great to watch him in four years six years eight years and see where he goes i'm really excited I know. I'm excited, too. And the funny thing was to see him in person, you know, talk about being at the the start of his journey. But he was so strong. I mean, and so he was half my age and twice my size. I mean, there was not an ounce of fat on that child. And to say he's at the beginning, I mean, he's been training and an athlete probably all his life. Right. Right. And so, you know, what you were saying before about you just can't get up off your couch and and become an Olympic athlete. That's absolutely the case, even though he's starting this with a reality show, which makes it sound like he's taking a shortcut. And he's really none of these people who were on that show are taking a shortcut. No, 
And so it, it just was really, they were televising the combines. They were televising the recruiting things that they were already doing. Right. And making it, you know, giving more visibility to these smaller sports and right. making it an opportunity for a lot of people. And it'd be interesting to find out what happens with the other winners or even what happens to some of the other people at the at the show. You know, do they go on yes. to continue training and maybe make the team next year? Right, because I know, I'm not sure if we talked about this with Josh or if with some of the other people there, but there were other people in the show who then came to the combines. Right. Who did win. So I liked the way they did the whole show, and it really was just exposure and kind of, you get to see how amazing these people are. Right. They make it look so easy, and there they were vomiting after that rugby test and, and passing out and getting hurt and and, and it's just interesting to see all the tests that they can do nowadays to see whether or not somebody would be good i mean you don't have to put a push a bobsled down a, a track we can watch you run 15 25 meters and track you at different points along the way they have these tracking right. eyes that that tell you what time you're at and it's just it's pretty amazing to see how technical sports have gotten I agree, though the bottom line was clearly, at least with, with Josh, was that spirit was there. You know, oh, yeah. when he talked about competing for the country and competing in the Olympics, his his whole face lit up. And he was like a six-year-old little boy. And I was just like, oh, my God, you are adorable talking about the Olympics. I love you. <laughs> you know, there was that that little boy joy right. in it, right. which they can't, you know, no matter how technical it gets – they still these these kids have that and need that and it was great to be so close to it right you know, someone who just who had that spirit about it so i'm totally rooting for him I'm, like, I'm rooting for you too josh and <laughs> and if you are interested in being one of the next Olympic hopefuls. Uh, Team USA is going to have another season of this, and they are, casting is not the right word, but uh, you can do a registration at their website, which is nextolympichopeful.teamusa.org, and we'll put that website in our show notes. But uh, maybe one of you out there is an athlete who's been training for something and has an Olympic dream, but maybe this will be your route. To, to figuring out your sport. so That would be fun. So. I would not be one of those people. <laughs> but I will cheer them on. Oh, and I know I'm not one of those people. That's the sad mm-hmm. thing. I would try, but I'm not. Yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, quick follow-up to some Rio 2016 news that uh, you saw, Allison. What's, what did you find this week? Yes. So last week I made a mention when we were talking about the French team possibly boycotting Pyeongchang, I was about to say that wrong, that we hadn't heard anybody got Zika from going to Rio. And the University of Utah published a study this week of American athletes, uh, over 400 that they tracked, and there were no cases of Zika. And this was a follow-up to a World Health Organization study that was conducted right after the Games, again, where they found no evidence of any athlete or official contracting Zika while in Rio. There were other 
mosquito-borne illnesses like West Nile and dengue that were contracted, but but no Zika cases. Which is interesting. Right. But West Nile, you can get you know, up here in the Northeast, right. you know, there's always cases in New York. I don't know if it's made it. Uh, yeah. It's in the Midwest. It's in, it's the, in mountains. the Midwest. Yeah. It's pretty much probably where, yeah. wherever mosquitoes are found, you can get this. Yeah. So, you know, and follow up to what we said that, uh, in fact, no, nobody got Zika even after all that brouhaha from going to the games. Ah, <sighs> thank you. Media attention. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, not to totally discount it, one of the things that the World Health Organization did say in their report was they think people took precautions and that's why there weren't any cases. Well, that's So the media, the media attention did serve a purpose to actually protect people and, and for people to protect themselves. Excellent. So we, we won't knock it too much. <laughs> oh, and last but not least this week, it's trivia time. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go I'll first? I'll go first. All I'll right. go first because I have a reality show. Ooh. Trivia question. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. So Olympic figure skating gold medalists, Christy Yamaguchi and Evan Lysacek both have appeared on the same reality television show. Can you name it? Would that be Dancing with the Stars? It is Dancing with the Stars. And Apollo Antonono was it on that too. Yep. And Sean Johnson and probably some other Olympians that I'm forgetting because I've never actually really watched the show. <laughs> All right. For you. I gave, I gave you a little bit of a gimme this Thank week. You. Thank you. Thank you. My last couple were really hard. Thank so you. I'll, well, I appreciate I, that. I was kind. <laughs> well, I went with... Um, crossover or transition athletes since that's kind of part of our theme oh no and yeah. <laughs> chris witty is a five-time olympian did uh four games in winter sports one game in summer oh, what no. do you know what sports she competed in she was in <sighs> lillehammer nagano sydney salt lake city and torino her name is familiar to me so, yeah, no, I don't even have a clue. Um, well, we didn't have women's bobsled back that far. No. Right? So I it's, don't so it's think not women's so. bobsled. Okay, yeah. Because I was going to say, I don't think women's bobsled was in Nagano or even, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, wait, muscles. is she, wait, wait, wait. Is she like an aerialist? Is she one of like no. the, oh. No. But one of her sports is. In uh, the reality show we talked about. Oh. Oh. So, oh. Well, there's only four, and we know it's not bobsled, <laughs> and we know it's not rugby because that hasn't been around that long. So it's either skeleton or track. So it's got to be skeleton because track cycling isn't that old. Right? No. Oh, now it's track cycling. <laughs> In Sydney, oh, she on. was a track cyclist, yes. So what, what winter sport would be a big thigh sport do you speed, think speed skating that is correct long track speed skating and she got some medals too i I'm didn't so you know, sorry I didn't write that down. i'm so sorry that i did not know your <laughs> you know i i even when i had a 50 50 shot i still blew it <laughs> 
sorry, Chris. Oh, um, I'm so sorry, see. but I did know her name, and I did remember. Oh, you couldn't good. ask me a Lola Jones. Uh, well, Lola I you know, Jones? you know, I was scrambling. I was scrambling for a question. I'm like, oh, transition athletes. But she won gold in the women's 1,000 meters at Salt Lake. Silver and bronze in silver was in 1,000 meters at Nagano. Bronze was 1,500 meters in Nagano, and then at, in Sydney she came in fifth for the 500 meter time wow. trial. Wow! And apparently set an Olympic record. So I mean, I've totally seen this girl. I mean, certainly because yeah. I always watch the speed skating. Right. I love the speed skating, so I would have seen her win. And I'm sorry, I didn't remember her name, and now I feel awful. Well, now you now you remember. Oh, Christine, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and and on that note, <laughs> happy happy note. It is time to wrap up this episode. Thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you back here next week with more stories from Lake Placid. And I think next week we are talking to our friends from Olympin. Love them. Have a good week, everybody, and we'll talk to you next time. I'm sorry, Christine. Stay in touch. Email us at olymfever at gmail.com. That's O-L-Y-M fever at gmail. You can also leave us a voicemail at 530-763-3837. That's 530-70-FEVER. We're on Twitter at olymfever, and you can join in the conversation at our Facebook group, Olympic Fever Podcast. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep the flame alive. <laughs>